Good evening and welcome to GradCast, the official radio show and podcast for the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. I'm your host, Nicole Poznov, and I'm here with the second host. Yeah, I'm Connor Chato. I'm also producing. Yeah, and our guests today are a PhD student, Laura Munoz, and a PI, Dr. David Smith. How are you guys both doing today? Great, thanks. Yeah, awesome. Cool. So let's start with Dr. David Smith, seniority. Uh, tell us, <laughs> what does a, what is a PI? What does it even stand for? And kind of what do you do as a PI? So PI stands for Principal Investigator. And so usually in the world of science, the PI is the, is the head of the lab or the research team. And uh, I, as, as a PI at Western in the biology department, I, um, I study genomics and genetics, but for the most part, I, I look at the genomes of, of algae and other microbes, and I'm not so much interested in, in medical-related problems, but more evolutionary problems. So the, the, the origins of complex life and multicellularity, how complicated traits like photosynthesis evolved, and uh, particularly weirdos so so mm-hmm. I like algae that have lost photosynthesis which which means they no longer make energy from sunlight which which may sound strange to a lot of people and I'm also interested in in kind of strange genomes nice. which is a bit more of an esoteric topic but who doesn't like weirdos yeah but so PI generally comes after your PhD or is there any other steps in between well I, I guess do you do you get the title PI you technically you probably have to be a, a tenure track or a tenured professor at a, at a research university. Um, so you you and that can usually that happens after doing a PhD and a postdoc. But uh, unfortunately for I guess for many researchers they they're they're unsuccessful at at um, finding a permanent position at a university. So you can do a PhD and a postdoc and another postdoc. And you may not, you may never become a PI, um, and, and and there's nothing wrong with that either. I mean, and do you have to be a PI be- before you become a professor? No, I guess in many ways they're synonymous. So if if you're a uh, if you're if you're a professor at a research university, you're technically a PI. Okay. Yeah, cool. I guess. Yeah. And Laura, you are a PhD student, right? Yes. And what do you study? Uh, I'm studying virus evolution. So my lab uh, works uh, with phylogenomics and kind of stuff like that, but I'm more uh, into genome of viruses and particularities about these genomes. Yeah. And did you do your master's and undergrad here at Western as well, or did you come from other oh, schools? Oh, no. Uh, I came from Colombia, where in the National University of Colombia, I did my undergrad in, uh, in uh, biological engineering. And then I did a master's there, and I came here to for for my PhD. Yeah. Nice. How do you like Western? It's nice. Yeah, it's a cool university. Better yeah. than your other university. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's different. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope your other universities don't here. <laughs> but yeah, so basically, this interview, the way it's gonna go is that Laura has some questions for. Uh, David here to ask him what it's like to be PI and then we're gonna have David ask her some questions back if he, if he has any questions for uh, upcoming graduate students who want to become PIs. So I think the first question I have personally is what inspired David you to become an academic in general? 
Um, yeah, that's a great question. So my father was an academic. So in many ways, I, I grew up in a in a in a household around uh, a professor, and y- you know you you could see uh, some of the benefits of of being a professor in the sense that you you know you don't have to clock in and clock out like a normal job, um, and you, and you don't have a you know technically a real boss. You can kind of um, stay under the radar. So my dad, uh, you know, he would he would go and play squash in the middle of the day. He would have time <laughs> to do family things like cook us all meals, and you know, so so there's a lot of freedom in in your work life, which I think academics like. It doesn't mean that you don't work as much as other people, but you can kind of allocate the work hours into different parts of the day. Uh, but for I guess for me personally. You know, I never set out specifically to do research. I think, like so many students, I just didn't know what to do. And it's just an easy, falling into grad school is an easy step because you kind of stay a perpetual student. It's a nice life. Um, You can make a little bit of money as a grad student, unlike other professional degrees where you go into debt. You know, you get a stipend as a a research graduate student. and, And I liked it. And so I just kind of drifted. And then, you know, and then when that one step finished, like grad school, I just drifted into a postdoc. And then I think thankfully I drifted into a real job. <laughs> but I, I, um, I'm still drifting, I guess. <laughs> do, do, you, do you think it is really um, it tends to be really like want and, and, and passion driven sort of for the the career path um, or were you were you ever kind of looking at a section of this thinking like, man, I really kind of have to do this particular postdoc. I can't wait till it's over so I can get to the next step. Or... Yeah, like I think the stereotype <laughs> that you get on TV and like and other radio shows where they highlight scientists is you have this person who's obsessed with some they they love the ocean mm-hmm. and they're they're this pure smart person who's just so passionate about the sea and all the creatures and it's all just lovely and wonderful That's and they like devote the scientist yeah image. and I, yeah. I i don't i don't subscribe to that no of course there's lots of stuff i didn't want to do mm-hmm. but once you're in it you kind of have to you're stuck right like if you start a graduate degree there's not it's not like you can just walk away and, and do another job so it's like it's like all of life you kind of get funneled into these into these avenues and then you either have to kind of like um you, you try to step up and succeed so you can get to the next step um, and then not and not and, and survive or, or you get out and find something else that you like doing. What do you think are the most important skills to develop for someone who wants to be in academia? Like, what do you think we should have if we want to be in this world? Um, so I guess just, just the, the, the skills that have served me the best would be um, you have to enjoy reading and writing a lot. So I think a lot of students, who particularly in the sciences, but it's it probably it, it's true outside of the sciences as well. They they fall they fall in love with a specific aspect of the research. So maybe again going you know maybe going out into the field and studying some type of organism. But at the end of the day, if you become an academic, you're really just in an office reading and writing, and doing emails and writing grants. So if you if you enjoy that writing aspect and, and most most more if you're good at it. So you, you're not even you have to be not only enjoy it, but you have to be good at reading and writing. 
or, and practice it because that's what you're going to be doing most of. Is this is it something that you think you can develop or is oh, for sure. something that you can like yeah. you need to born with? Because for example, for me being from an, a different country, yeah. uh, um, writing in English is a like a big challenge. So sometimes I'm afraid that I won't be able to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, but I think I wasn't a good reader and writer as a, in high school. I was a terrible student. I never read any of the books in English classes. I just kind of faked it. And <laughs> uh, and I and you know and and I've in many in many ways I've I've suffered from like things like dyslexia and stuff. But when I fell into a grad program, I kind of realized I had to get really good at reading and writing. So I trained kind of like an athlete to, to be better at it. And 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 even now, I spend a lot of my day reading. Not necessarily science, but I read a lot of fiction and stuff. Just to do you think that helps you uh, reading fiction or? Yeah, most of the really successful scientists I've met um, read read probably like if you broke it down, I'd say they read about seventy percent fiction, thirty percent science. Oh, okay. that's awesome! That's yeah. So good to yeah. hear. I, yeah, I I often wonder if that's that's kind of part of being a researcher too, and because like we were talking about earlier, we have this image in our head that they're so dedicated to one particular thing like they're so passionate about this phd sized kind of research topic but but i but i feel as though a lot of i don't know my understanding of what a scientist job tends to be is that it's an extremely diverse job and you have to be ready to do a lot of things and take inspiration from a lot of different uh people and ideas and like be ready to change what it is you're thinking about or how you think about a given topic like do you think that that feels like a pretty accurate skill set yeah, like I think, it, for lack of a better word, it's a bit of a game, and mm. so those who 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 win at the game, they're really good at at taking data, um, and 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 this 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 analogy works better for the sciences, but it, again, it can it can be brought across all disciplines. But they're good at taking data and and spinning it, and I and I know that that that's a cynical way of putting it. It's like spinning it in an untruthful way, but that's not true. But they they put a a spin on the data that that make them seem really interesting, and they're really talented at writing those data up and pitching them to good journals, mm. and that means that they get um, papers in good journals, and that in turn results in 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 um, career advancement. Yeah. Right. So that that is the single most important thing, right? Is getting your 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 data into good journals and then having having that the, those those papers out there. And so the way that they play this game is is it's not just research papers, it's also commentaries, review papers, all these different units of publication that they combine and then that grows and they get invited um, by journals to comment, they get invited by journals to submit articles. You know, so so it kind of builds on itself. And again, it, it go, so it goes back to this idea that they can write so well that, that that they can take data that maybe aren't that interesting at first glance and make them seem quite profound. And they have to have the creativity and the talent to see how to do that. It's not easy, mm-hmm. and and that would be true for so many careers, right? It would be true for a, a person making a TV show. Yeah. You can think how they can take some idea and make it profound, or if it's a journalist, or if it's someone who writes fiction, or if it's someone who's making writing a song for the radio. Yeah. Right? It, it just, some people have that talent, some people don't. Everything needs to be like lit well, metaphorically. Yeah. And sometimes literally. just. Yeah, and, and again, I, 
I, I know this is this tends to be maybe more true for evolutionary biology, but there, of course, then there's those people who are just geniuses in the lab and they produce great data that don't need to be spun and they just, you know, but I'd say those in the minority and for the most part. You gotta hype up your data. <laughs> you gotta hype up your data, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Uh, oh, no, I was just gonna say, yeah. personally, I feel that, like, as a master's student, I don't know if Lori feel the same way as a PhD student, that I only know a lot about a really, really, like, specific topic like do you feel like that Laura uh not necessarily but, but what I'm studying is more like broad oh, okay so, so it's just me but yeah. <laughs> do you feel like that at all David um yeah I know that feeling like you kind of and, and you know as as we move forward all these fields expand so broadly that you can't help but be like siloed into a really narrow aspect of any research field um, so yes, I, I I feel like that. I, I mean, I feel that particularly when someone says like, oh, you, you're a geneticist and they start talking to me about things that I have no clue about, <laughs> you know, because you can't, I mean, you can't stay on top of it. If you looked at how many papers were published on diabetes in the last week, it's probably like it would take you five weeks to read them. <laughs> and then in those five weeks, another, you know, it's, it's you can't keep up. So yeah. you have to, you have to stay. I, I mean, on, on a side note, that's, why in many ways great scientists often jump into fields that are really tiny so like if, if if i was advising someone starting out in science or academics i would say don't the 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 inclination is to do something that's really cool like cure aids <laughs> right but in fact your better bet is Goals. to su stu study something that's, that nobody wants to do <laughs> so don't do whales or sharks or tigers do do something that seems stupid yeah, or, or you know or uninteresting and prosaic kind of thing less to and, keep up with yeah yeah and then you'll be the, you'll be a big fish in a small pond <laughs> but then your pond will expand and you'll still be that big fish and you know and then things will, will spiral you, you might be the one that brings you know walruses or harp seals or something to yeah, a but new level of interest yeah yeah <laughs> but they're still big animals i mean like something totally like uh one of the weirdos like like an algae that lives in the soil mm. yeah. <laughs> wink wink something yeah, yeah, study. Like, a, <laughs> like some little known fungi that lives on bark or something <laughs> actually that that may that makes me ask uh what do you know now that you wish you knew when you were in my age or you were in my position when you were a phd right so so what 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 would i do differently what why you wish you knew like what would you tell your younger self yeah, yeah. So this yeah. is a great like you know, apart I, from apart from like try something new that yeah. Many so people. so I was looking back at myself as a PhD student, which really wasn't that long ago. I mean, we we you only have to go back nine years to, yeah, to when I yeah. Yeah, uh, defended my PhD. But I was really really naive when I started my PhD. So I I, I started a PhD at Dalhousie University in the biology department on a. On, on the, my broadly speaking, my topic was to do with mitochondrial genomes. I won't go in. If you don't know what those are, it doesn't matter. Um, mm -hmm. And I worked with this old professor who was close to retirement. He was like Woody Allen. He ate all his meals in the meal hall, lunch and dinner, and and still does. And I, I and we became very good friends, and we're still friends today. And he was a great supervisor. But he was not the world expert on mitochondrial genomes. In fact, down the hall in the biochemistry department, you had truly the world experts on this field. And I had no idea. I was that naive that when I started my PhD, I didn't even know these people existed. Mm -hmm. And now, if I were to go back, 
and do it all again, obviously I would say you should work with the best in the world to do your PhD, right? You should work, the, the, the people who are in biochemistry were, 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 were people like Ford Doolittle and Mike Gray and these, these hugely successful people. And that's what I would have done. Because otherwise you're trying to catch up? or Well, because that would have opened more doors and yeah. things. But you know what? I was much better served by Bob because he was... He had more time for me. He, we, you know, I would it would have been too competitive in those other labs. I never would have succeeded. Mm -hmm. So in fact, I was better off being naive oh, okay. and not knowing, right, about these things. Because it, it ultimately, I think it was a much better um, environment for me to become a scientist than the environment that would have been much more competitive, and I would have felt way over my head. And so, what what makes a good a good environment? I think it all depends on the type of person you are. So for, for me, I think a lot of freedom and patience, and I, I don't do well under under a lot of pressure. So a lot of labs in science, they're, they're pressure cookers because the PI needs high-impact papers to keep their big grants coming in. And, and if they don't get those, then they're out of business. Um, and so they put a lot of pressure on their postdocs and their grad students to produce these papers. And some win and some lose, and that creates tension among the students in the lab. Mm -hmm. Whereas other labs, the the, the PI is, is not obsessed with their own ambition, their their own becoming a star. They, mm -hmm. they, you know, they have tenure. They don't. All they need is their little grant to keep doing what they love, and they and and they're they're more interested in just having fun with the students, mentoring them, and seeing them succeed. And it doesn't matter if it's a nature paper or a small. Um, paper in a small or a paper in a small journal. Um, now, th that means that you, there may not be a lot of pressure on the student to do to to publish a nature paper, and and some students may not do well in that environment. But for me, I, I I did the opposite. I felt that without the pressure, I did I did better. So now that you're on the other side, which qualities do you expect a student to have, like a graduate student to have? Um, I I think. Yeah. So, what, what what do I look for in a good grad student? Mm -hmm. I'm, um, I guess, some some independence, and and some what's the word uh, that that, that so creativity and and just I, I, just some some passion, you know? Because I, I mean, it really depends on the person though. Because some some supervisors like really are nine to five watching over you like to see results at the end of the day and then some like don't even meet with you for like a month or two so yeah, yeah. kind of i think it might depend on the person right and, and yeah and so those two things have to match up so mm -hmm. some students do much better when there's a little bit of of pressure to to, to produce every you know every week and then the the, the pi you're like you said says what's going on here you know you have you haven't been meeting expectations Whereas other students are like, whoa, I love this freedom. I'm just going to go to a coffee shop and like read about some stuff and maybe I'll come up with a good idea. And then they bring it to their PI and it's like, wow, that's a really good idea. Go for it. Definitely a kind of chemistry between a supervisor and and student because I, I think at the end of the day, you, you both definitely need a lot from each other in the sense that a supervisor has so many different balls in the air. They they need to delegate a lot of the research ideas and a lot of the focus to to under to to students that are working under them. And then the students need a ton of guidance. I think less less so when they're up at a PhD level. But yeah, exactly. No, we still need make it but there. Still, <laughs> you, still, you still need a lot of guidance. Yeah. 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 
and sometimes it's not just God; it's just being there too, right? Mm-hmm. Just just having moral someone to, to yeah, moral support or to, to bounce ideas off of each other. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, confirmation. I know I've certainly asked my supervisor a lot of questions that I kind of knew the answer to just to hear him say like. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good idea. That makes sense. I'll say, yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad that if, makes sense. Sometimes I feel like I'm not doing enough, and then I go see my supervisor, and he's like, wow, like, that's so great, like, all this stuff. I'm like, I have such a huge confidence boost right now. Now I can sleep. I have a question, though, about something you said earlier. You are saying pumping out papers and stuff. So this is a very competitive world, and I feel like you always need to be producing results. So do you feel like when you go home, like, you still – can relax and like get your mind off of work or are you constantly thinking about like what you're gonna do tomorrow and like what's the next step in your academic career um i i think for a, a long time w- w- when i when i became a phd student and then got uh, a bit addicted to to kind of writing papers um then i thought about it all the time and i would always be working on a, on writing a paper and and it became almost like an obsession um, which was fine because I, I didn't have that much of a life outside of science. I had my family, like my mom and dad, who I spent a lot of time with. And, and for the most part, I usually had a, a partner that, you know, was supportive. And so I had to balance those things. But it's, it's, that's relatively small potatoes. You can still work in the evenings and, and, and still have time to do other stuff too. And, but, but, and then when I started at Western, um, I, I again I, I, I like you said, I, I thought about it all the time when I went home and it was it was stressful and it was hard to balance work and life. But then as I've moved through uh, my career and I've gotten tenure and now I'm married and I have a child, uh, um, I, I I've kind of cut back a little bit so I don't I don't work as obsessively as I used to, which has obviously impacted my output, um, which is fine. I mean, so I'm not as productive as I used to be. So you have to kind of um, balance that with your ego and your ambition. So and then and then it means that th- that I probably won't um, climb the ladder as fast. I'm not going to be the the editor of a big journal in the next coming year or any or win some big award, right? Yeah. So so I, you have to choose. Um, but you don't think that affected, like, your current career too much, right? Like, having a family and a personal life. Or do you think that, like, if you do want to become a professor at a young age, like, you really need to cut all that out and commit? I, no, you know what? It, it completely depends on your partner, right? So, and the people around you. So you, you can have a, a very successful relationship and work really hard. But if your partner says this sucks, you're never around, and I want you to do these things, and I want I want this from the relationship. If you can't bring that, then it's going to be a failed relationship. So, you you, you know, it, it all depends mm-hmm. um, on on the situation you have in hand. Or, or if you if you live in a one-bedroom apartment, it's relatively easy to maintain, but if you decide to buy a, a three-acre piece of land and a home with a swimming pool, then you're obviously going to have to allocate time to all those things. So you have to... Um, you have to balance all these things like everybody does in life. Mm-hmm. And it, it it all depends the, the the type of relationships you find yourself in. Is nine to five enough and weekends off? Or do you find that you still need a little bit more than that? So, so early on, nine to five and weekends off probably didn't cut it. Mm-hmm. 
but now um, I I work less than nine to five because <laughs> um, I you know I, I I come in late sometimes. You and have a I baby. Go, yeah, and I have a baby. So so you know I guess the the thing is never confuse hard work with hard thinking too. Mm. You can come up with really good ideas quite quickly, yeah. and and um, and write them up and and and, and be successful. So sometimes people are obsessed with how much time they work, and sometimes if you if you can cut out a lot of the excess meaningless stuff, you can still do really well. Which comes with, I guess, experience. Yeah, experience and 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 intuition and all these things. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, you. It's. It, I love talking about these things. We're all obsessed with like work-life balance. I'm I'm obsessed with it too, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I have a pretty nice life right now where I don't work too much. But again, I, like I said, it's going to come around, and I'm not uh, and I'm not going to win the, you know, you, you you you. It's like you know, in a video game, there's a like power bar, and that like as you you I, I don't know what game I'm talking about, but like the power bar grows as you're like attacking things or eating things, and you can see it grow. And then the minute you stop like killing the enemy or gobbling up the little dots, it starts going down again. <laughs> it's like that in, in in any job, right? So the 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 minute you kind of cut back, you can see your power bar slow decreasing it, and because you if you built it up really far it doesn't it takes a long time to go down right so my power bar is decreasing a little bit yeah yeah it, it's still it, high enough but it's going down a little bit stable. <laughs> yeah. but do you think it's worth it like well i mean yeah, i i'd because, rather have yeah. have have a, 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 a i think it's more important to have a healthy uh family life yeah, yeah. because I, I think a lot of people sacrifices that for academy or no, I, I think if I were recommending someone, if they found someone they love and that person said, look, I, I really want you home at five o'clock and mm -hmm. I want you to devote a lot of energy to this relationship, um, I think it's it's worth it to find someone you could spend the rest of your life with in a happy, healthy way okay. versus publishing a few extra papers. Yeah. That, that would be my argument. That makes yeah, a ton of sure. sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're coming to the end of the show here. Uh, yeah. I know we've kind of been bombarding you, David, with a lot of questions. But yeah. do you have any questions to Laura as a PhD student that wants to become a PI eventually? Um, okay. So I guess so. you do want to become a PI. Yeah, I do. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so... Uh, out of out of the things I've been talking about, has anything kind of struck a chord with you, and uh, as, uh, as as something that you that maybe changed your your idea about science? Or oh no, maybe this last part that you you said that we can actually sometimes relax and enjoy our family life because sometimes I think that it's so much pressure pressure over you trying to publish papers yeah. that you won't be able to spend time with the one you love or. Yeah, yeah. So that that would be like that's something that has always scared me. Like, yeah. I and also not only people like time with people, but time for like doing exercise, time for going I don't know into a trip, time to just mm -hmm. chill and watch movies. I don't know. Yeah. That I I thought I will have to sacrifice because I I see how like how stressful it is to be a PI sometimes. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, but but if you said that there's a a way to balance those things out, that that's great. Yeah, I think there is. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. That's that's the most important part of this episode note. here. <laughs> <laughs> you always have time to watch Netflix <laughs> and relax. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, guys. Uh, we're here with the Society of Graduate Students uh, from Western University. We air on CHRW ninety four point nine every Tuesday at not at six p.m. 
Uh, you can follow us on social medias through Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Uh, that's at Gradcast Radio. If you want to get in touch with David, David, how would they contact you? Um, you can just go to the Western Biology uh, website, and, and I'll be listed under one of the faculty members, and you can get my email through there. And if we want to learn more about Laura, your research, how would they find that? Mm, I guess you can email me. It's lmuoz at uwo.ca. We'll put both of those in the in the show notes up on Podbean when we upload it, so you can uh, you can follow the email links there. Yeah, and thank you so much for coming on the show, guys. Yeah, uh, thank I've you. I've been your host, Nicole yeah. Poznov, and... I'm your co-host and producer, Connor Chato. Thank you so much. Have a great night. Great. Adios. The Gradcast theme tune has been composed for us by Matthew Becker.